0: Hello and welcome. This is the Field Goals Podcast. I am your host, Dana O'Gorman. So we've had quite the week, Seahawks fans. Um, We went from a really low, low to a pretty nice high in the span of one week. We had some great surprises out of our offense and some dire, sad moments out of the defense, but it was a lot of fun. Now, we knew this season was going to be all about roller coasters, right? We knew that they were just going to start throwing stuff against the wall, see what stick and what works. And that's exactly what Pete Carroll and the gang have been doing. And it's actually been a lot of fun. But I think that mostly we all realize that this season is about next year. And that is why I wanted to bring on this guest this week. I am so excited. My friend Emery Hunt is joining us this week. He, um, You can find him on CBS Sports HQ. He is the owner of Football Game Plan, known as the czar of the playbook, better known, in my opinion, as my friend of I'm going to date us, Emery. I think it's about 10 years now that we have known each other.
1: I will say that is about right. Yes, probably a little bit longer than that. Oh, my gosh.
0: Time flies. I'll tell you. Well, I love the way you look at football. I I think you're super analytical, but you get the fan point of view. You have a lot of fun with it. And I think that's why I really wanted your opinion on these quarterbacks. Now, I'm not going to lie. I saw a mock draft today that stressed me out because in this mock draft, it said the Seahawks were taking two defensive ends in the first round. I had a meltdown. Not going to lie. I was like, are you kidding me? But that is not our focus today, because I don't think that's going to happen. It will make me very sad if it does. I want to talk about these young quarterbacks that are going into the draft and who you think is going to be best suited for Seattle. Fingers crossed that we get there. But before we get to any of that, I'm dying to know your thoughts on what is happening with Geno Smith and the Seahawks offense. This for me, Emery, it came out of nowhere.
1: Well, listen, for me, I I saw this a mile away because I was shocked at folks that were in the offseason thinking that this team was going to be, you know, picking first in the draft. But when you because they traded Russell Wilson, but I was like, well, wait a minute. They traded Russell Wilson, but they still kept DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, and they got no offense in return. What? A, how bad you think this team is going to be? You know, Gino has great rapport with these guys. Um, you added a, a threat at tight end. You drafted Kenneth Walker. Now he's going to pair up with a healthy Rashad Penny. The offensive line—they attacked in the draft, and those picks are proven to be well. So, and we know Pete Carroll will figure out the defensive side of the football. Like, wow, this this team actually will be very solid. You know, um, so I'm not surprised. So. If, I I love the fact that, you know, you had a talented team with a quarterback in Geno Smith that has gotten a raw deal. I was out here in New York City covering the Giants in 2017, and Ben McAdoo had the right mindset when he did what he did. Geno was the best quarterback out of all the quarterbacks on the roster that entire spring, that entire summer. And obviously, he wasn't going to start over. Eli, but the plan was let Eli play this last year, and then we'll move on to Geno. And Geno would have been the bridge quarterback. Uh, But he was lightening up all throughout the summer. He beat out Josh Johnson, so they had to release him. And he was entrenched as as a second guy. And then Eli was playing terrible. The offense hadn't scored over 20 points in four games. Then they pulled Eli, put Geno in, and the same beat writers that were killing Eli the week before in the press box are now killing Gino and McAdoo for the move. When the in that game he got benched in against the Raiders, they scored 24 points. The best most points they have scored in about a month. And so I knew he always had the talent just waiting for him to get the opportunity. He's now getting an opportunity on the best roster that he's been a part of since he's been in the NFL. Run game is where it needs to be. They have depth in the backfield. You guys have uh, excellent receivers. The offensive line is a work in progress, but it's on the positive side of a work in progress. So Gino is like, well, I, and I've been in the system for three years. Like, I, I can't get any. This is exactly what I've asked for. So I'm happy for him.
0: You know, at the, during the off season and and during training camp, when there was the whole conversation of Gino Drewlock, Gino Drewlock, and there was a whole huge handful of people that were diehard Drewlock fans, and then there were people who were like. Well, Jano's not so bad. He didn't seem to have that same kind of people with the passion behind it. And it was fascinating to me because if you look at his history, I mean, he the Jets were the Jets right when he was there. And I'm not trying to be disrespectful to that team. It just was just kind of a mess. And and I just felt like he just kept missing his opportunity and he sat and he learned this offense last year under Shane Waldron. And I just kept thinking, why do they think Drew Locke is going to come in and be? I, it never made sense to me. It was always supposed to be Gino in my head. Um, and I'm so glad it worked out that way because I think that I truly believe Seattle needs to get a rookie quarterback next year for cap reasons, for longevity, for all kinds of things. But I love that Geno Smith is putting up these numbers and showing people what he can do for other teams in this NFL. So I hope that he can continue and, you know, maybe get, I, I don't know that he'll get a starting job somewhere else unless, unless someone needs another bridge quarterback, but I just feel like he's showing the best side of him right now. It's it, it makes me so happy for him.
1: Well, if it's going so well here, why would you then move off of him? Cause he's not old. You know, I know. You know he's people want the shiny new toy. And if they keep winning, they're not going to be in position to make, the uh, the the pick for, you know, one of these top guns that's gonna probably go one through four uh, in the NFL draft. So it's it's you know, it's, you, you kind of have to dance with the devil, you know. And if he's playing this well and w- at his, I, you know, he's not even thirty. I don't believe. So you know, you know,
0: yeah, that's my biggest fear. You you're you're speaking my biggest fear is that he's going to play so well. They're going to sit with him for another year. And and this is the only reason why it worries me. I'm going to be really honest is that this particular crop of quarterbacks is supposed to be so good. Do we have that again for the next few years after maybe he doesn't work out so well the second year or whatever it may be that that's my only thing that makes me nervous about it. But I will tell you that they, I know a couple of people who are all about skipping the quarterback this year and going complete defense in this draft. And, and that. I don't know, makes me a little flustered
1: to think about it. I saw a mock draft from um, uh, one of my colleagues at CBS Sports. Uh, Ryan Wilson does a great job with covering the draft. He had a mock draft that had the Seahawks taking, I want to say, Anthony Richardson out of Florida, one of the quarterbacks, right? And then the next Mm -hmm. pick was the Houston Texans. Oh, that's what it was. He had Seattle at number one, and they're taking – Will Levis or... No, they were taking Will Levis or Anthony Richards, one of those. But number two Mm -hmm. pick was the Houston Texans and they were taking Will Anderson. And I'm like, wait a minute. Even if you think the Seahawks are that terrible to be picking number one, I fail to believe Pete Carroll would pass up on a chance of taking a dynamic defender over a quarterback. Even if that was the case, he would not pass on Will Anderson in favor for a quarterback. This is Pete Carroll. He would also probably draft a running back with that second third round <laughs> on the top of second round. So he's going to go defense for run game.
0: <laughs> Don't say it. Don't speak it into existence, Emery. Don't do it. Uh, I was going to ask you, too, about Shane Waldron's offense. I, I w- we're really enjoying, you know, watching it kind of evolve. And, and I mean this, I mean no shade to Russell Wilson in any way, shape, or form. I completely respect him as a person, as a player. I just feel like with the different skill set that Geno has that – I feel like we're seeing it open up so much more and just have, I mean, all these tight ends, every time you turn around, they're using a tight end and that hadn't happened for so long. Um, Do you think that we are finally seeing kind of the full breadth of what Shane Waldron can bring?
1: Yeah. And I feel like there's two separate ways of attacking what we are seeing with Gino versus what we saw versus Russ Skill sets are different. You know, Gino came out of an air raid offense at West Virginia so everything was working touchdown to check down. So if you notice him operating well in the seams with the tight ends or with these seam routes, he's killing those. Right. And when Russell first came in, he came from Wisconsin where, you know, it's like run game play action, you know, take the deep shot, or you were in a, the shotgun a pro set out of the shotgun, you know, play fake, but also working deeper down the field, maybe on the outside or taking over that deep over route or whatnot. But and those are some of the plays he had tremendous success with, you know, in Seattle. But then when Bevel leaves, now the offense changes and now it's kind of suited more for a guy like Gino's ability and what he does well. Um and Gino to his credit is taking full advantage of this opportunity to hey, I know this offense, this is my second year in it. I know where my strengths are. I'm going to attack it. Like, you know, that's the difference. It, you know, it's, it's not necessarily, in my opinion, it's not necessarily a situation where Russ was, isn't good. It's just that, you know, this guy attacks it differently, and it just so happens to pair up perfectly with the personnel that we have on the roster now.
0: Exactly. Exactly. I would completely agree. Yeah. Once again, no shade towards Russ. It's just different. And it's, and to be honest with you, I'm kind of liking the different, I, I mean, I, I love what Russ did for 10 years in Seattle. And I think that he's, you know, very well respected by so many and, and what he brought to this, this, this franchise and this town and the team, but it's fun after 10 years of it's exactly the same. It's kind of fun to have someone new, but speaking of new, let's go ahead and move on to some of these rookie, I I don't want to call them rookie quarterbacks yet because they're not rookies and they're just college level. They're going to go up for the draft. There seems to be a couple of names we keep hearing over and over and over again, and then some that kind of pop in and out of your top five, your top 10, whatever, you know, they kind of wander in and out. But I think what I am most curious about with all of them, we know their names. We know where they play. CJ Stroud at Ohio State. But um, the thing, nothing against Ohio State quarterbacks, I swear. But here's the thing. Not all of these players are going to fit a Shane Waldron or a Pete Carroll type of team. There's got to be some that are better. But let's start with first who you truly think the top five College quarterbacks right now are going into, I mean, we're a few weeks into their season now. Who's holding up to the hype that they kind of started with?
1: Well, for me personally, it was, or it is currently, it's, you know, Anthony Richardson of Florida, C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, and there are some other guys, you know, but like Mm -hmm. I haven't even gotten to where I narrowed it down to five, um, but I, I like those three right off the bat. Mm-hmm. I feel like those three are the guys right now that, that I will take or feel comfortable taking uh, in the first round. And, you know, you kind of hinted to it. I think C.J. Stroud might be the best fit for what the Seahawks are doing. He's Geno-like in terms of how he attacks. And I think that's the perfect fit. Now, Richardson gives you um, more of the Jalen Hurts type. Where he's explosive in a run game, he's going to take the deep shot rather well. Throws a beautiful deep ball, and uh, he still has upside left. You also look at Bryce Young. Bryce Young gives you what you had in Russell Wilson. He's more of a you know off script type, a guy that that's going to have a flair for the dramatic. He's twitchy, so you're not going to be able to get him uh, right away with a blitz because he could dart up out of there and you know keep his eyes downfield and hurt you that way while also being able to take off and run. So th- all three have different types. But I feel like the Stroud kid kind of mirrors Geno Smith and what he's doing. So you kind of think, okay, if Geno is able to attack this way and Stroud is a younger version, you know, so to speak, we can probably have the same type of ability on offense because they all attack the same way uh, and is working for our offense. If they just want to go younger and not saying he's a one to one to Geno, but stylistically, they play the same game.
0: So do you believe the things that are always said about Ohio State quarterbacks? I mean, we hear it all the time, right? Ohio State quarterbacks can't play in the NFL, which we know is not true. But you know, they they do say that there is there there's been some hesitation amongst the fans because he's from Ohio State.
1: Fans are short for <laughs> fanatical. And here's and here's here's a Fair. little bit of football history, right? Okay. They used to say the same thing about running backs coming out of triple option offenses, i.e. Nebraska. Well, you can't really get these backs out of Nebraska because they're running an option. Yeah, they're, they're going to have a ridiculous yards per carry because they're usually getting the pitch and they're usually, you know, already have open space. But then you get an Amon Green, right? Yes, he's different than Lawrence. Lawrence. Uh, What's his? I was about to say Lawrence. I was about to say Lawrence Fishburne, but the running back, Lawrence Phillips. He's different than Lawrence <laughs> Phillips, but Amon Lawrence Green is <laughs> right. And so now, and so when you think about for the most part, uh, Ladanian Thompson played in some sort of an option offense like a, a single you know, bone option offense but the quarterback thing is unique for Ohio State because people just look at the lineage now there's some some history in that too so let's go back to Troy Smith Troy Smith, Terrell Pryor played in, in Jim Trestle's offense which was a pro style offense but they still knocked Ohio State quarterbacks in we know why certain quarterbacks are not getting the opportunity just now starting to let certain quarterbacks played a position. So <laughs> that was a different offense. Then you look at the contemporary offense that we see, uh, we saw under urban Meyer and Ryan day with JT Barrett, uh, Cordell Jones, Braxton Miller, uh, Dwayne Haskins, and uh, now CJ Stroud, right? All in <laughs> Justin Fields thrown in there as well. Here's a difference. Why? And again, We truly can't say Cordell Jones got an opportunity. We know JT Parrott is now coaching with the Lions, so he didn't get an opportunity. Um, And so Braxton Miller was forced to switch positions. So let's focus on Haskins, Fields, and now Stroud. The difference Mm -hmm. to me with with, with those guys, why people think that way, Ohio State is the best team in the Big Ten. It's not like in the SEC where you have multiple best teams. So in Ohio State's case, they got the best offensive line. They're going to always be well protected. You rarely see, you rarely saw Haskins or um, uh, Fields or even Stroud under duress. And uh, the only time you really see them That's under fair. duress is when you see them play in bowl games, big bowl games, because now they have to play teams from outside of the Big Ten. So think about how we saw uh, Justin Fields get beat up versus Clemson. Think about how we saw Haskins versus you know, get under pressure versus, I want to say it was Wisconsin. They played in the, in the bowl game and Stroud versus Wisconsin last year. So we don't see them get challenged from a pressure standpoint. And the one team that's capable of challenging them, they beat the brakes off until last year. And that was Michigan. So (laughs) they don't really get tested. So it's yeah, they're going to have all day to throw. And that's the, that's the hard part. So how well can they deal with pressure? And and we don't, you don't see enough of it on college film and you only, you only gonna get the answer. When they get to the pros, that's why you kind of hear, "Well, Haskins holds the ball a little bit too long," even though it's a, a common trope for all quarterbacks like these guys, right? You know, Haskins or Fields hold the ball too long, but there's some truth to that. Partly because they ha- they were able to do so in college, and in the pro game, you got to quicken that you know that timing up because of the hash marks. Number one, and number two, guys can get to you faster than they could at Ohio State, where you're the best team in the conference.
0: Right. Yeah. They have to, they have to unlearn those old habits and, and sometimes they're not always given the opportunity to have that time to do that. I think that they're judged very quickly. Um, so CJ Stroud, um, again, out of Ohio state, six foot three, 215 pounds. Um, although it seems to be, especially with the way Seattle is playing right now, that be many expect Stroud to go first. They think the Texans are actually probably going to take him. I've seen that in quite a few mocks. Um, and then they, there's a lot of conversation. I don't know that Seattle will be there. They have the draft capital to move up, they really wanted to go there. You know, they have two first round picks. They have two second round picks. I don't know that John Snyder is the type to spend that draft capital to move up just for a quarterback, especially as you mentioned before, Pete, Pete might do for a defensive player. I don't know if we do for a quarterback, but um And so, I mean, but they do have the possibility of doing that, even if they play somewhat well this year. Bryce Young is another one that we hear a lot about quarterback out of Alabama, five foot 11, 194 pounds. Okay. Now here's my thing. Okay. I'm not being disrespectful that he's five foot 11. That means he's five foot 10 in real life and that's fine. But I just... I think I'm ready for something different. Emory, is that terrible? I I people have given me so much crap all season because I'm like, how tall is he? How tall is he? And it's again, no shade on Russell Wilson in any way, shape, or form. I just really want something a little different. But the talent behind Bryce Young really seems to be to be there.
1: Well, that's the thing. Talent should trump everything. Um I know. Yeah, you know, <laughs> and he just came off a, of a Super Bowl champion and a Super Bowl appearance with a guy that was 5'10", 5'11". Know. So it's the same thing. And, and the thing is, Seattle broke the mold and opened the door for everybody to realize, wow, these guys that are not in these stereotypical and prototypical size and height, weight, and all that can actually play. So it wouldn't surprise me, especially with this GM, to go back to the well again um, and say, you know what? We had success with this. Let's have success with this again. Um, but, you know, Bryce Young, to me, There's a difference. Russell Wilson is 5'11", 215, 220 stick. Mm -hmm. You know, Bryce Young, I've seen him in person and I feel like he's a, you said 194?
0: That's what they have him at, 194.
1: He's got to be 180. You know? (laughs) Okay. Um, So it's like, man, he's a a slim, slender guy. And weight is easy to put on. You know, they could bulk him up and he'll be able to put weight on. Uh, But, you worry about, you know, him protecting himself and, you know, he has the AC joint injury that he had last Mm -hmm. weekend Mm -hmm. um, in that ball game uh, against Arkansas. Is that some sort of issue that he, that had linger? Cause we've heard this before about Alabama players outside of Jalen Hurts. He's the only one that has escaped the Alabama curse of being all broken up and banged up by the time they leave. Alabama, all positions, everyone from Alabama will need some surgery or some sort of nagging injury that they're going to deal with out throughout their career. Um, but, you know, so you have to really wonder, dig into the medicals and say, hey, how long, how many times has he had this AC joint issue? Because um, we only saw a flare-up last weekend uh, against Arkansas. So I worry about his frame in terms of the the rigors of an NFL season. Um you know, and and again, the same situation you find in, in college where clearly you're not getting touched a lot. Uh, so how will that hand, hand, uh, mm-hmm. hold up at the pro level where you're going to get touched often? So you worry about that with him.
0: Are there any other names? You mentioned um, the kid from Florida. If Seattle should decide to go defense with that first pick, and it wouldn't surprise me. I'm telling you right now, it would not surprise me. Will it upset me? Probably, but it won't surprise me. <laughs> Are there any names that it maybe could be, let's say we end up, I just have to, I feel like I have to press it, preface everything with, I'm not being disrespectful to the Broncos, but let's say we end up with pick 15. Also, let's say we have pick six and pick 15 or whatever, spread it out. However you want to, um, is there someone who might be there a little later who you think has the talent to do well in the NFL? Um, but just isn't one of those top will be grabbed instantly. Kind of a guy.
1: He's a top five pick, in my opinion, (laughs) and I would take him in the top five. But I know he's probably going to be within that 10 to 15 range, right within striking distance to take that first, pair it up with a second and move up a little bit. He fits what Pete Carroll wants at the position. And he's phenomenal. He's going to be coming off of an injury, a year removed from the injury. um, And Brian Brisee out of Clemson. Phenomenal football player. Okay. D lineman, explosive, dominant game wrecker. He tore his ACL last year in the opener against Georgia. He's back now. He's playing. Uh, so going into his rookie season, he will be two years removed now, which is when you get yourself fully back. But this dude, he's a you know, he could play anywhere across the front. He could he could be a, a five tech, he could be a three, he could be a shade, he could be a seven. He is dominant up front. And we look at what, you know, probably on the horizon, you know, how old is player X or whose contract is up. Now you get a young stud up front, you know, up on your defense that's mm-hmm. you know, that's under that rookie contract that you could just continue to build behind him with. Um, if they can't get Will Anderson, they're going to probably, char- uh, you know, look at a, a Brian Brissy out of Clemson. I think he is just that it, in a – Best case scenario, if they come up with both of them, <laughs> that's even better. But oh my god, uh, don't, oh. don't tempt me, Carol. Don't tempt you me.
0: know. Uh, Right. And that's just it. And we've looked at their, their draft history. They, they pull rabbits out of the hat all the time. I will tell you this year, and we talked a lot around the draft because your draft guide was fantastic. And I, I loved it so much. Emory puts out a great draft guide every single year. And it was the most complete draft guide I'd ever seen. Like it was just fantastic. So I hugely appreciate that. I took that to the draft with me this year. It was wonderful, but we all know that he has a tendency to pull random things out of the hat, but this year they really kind of stuck to the script. I know people were, Weren't thrilled about taking a running back that early, but I love Kenneth Walker. So I was fine with it, but they seem to really have nailed this draft. And I'm not sure, <laughs> not sure that if they don't get a quarterback in the first round next year, people will consider that, um, nailing this next draft, but we'll have to see. I have one more question for you. There is this prevailing theory that, well, I'm just going to say it, you know, Lisa, it's Lisa's theory from our tour football. Lisa says, if you take a quarterback, any player in the first round, they have to start immediately. But there is something to be said about quarterbacks who maybe are taken high in the draft, but then sit behind a veteran for a year. We've seen it with Patrick Mahomes. He sat behind Alex Smith. We've seen it with lots of other players. What is your thought on that? Do you think that is helpful or do you think it just depends on the player?
1: It just depends on a player. You got to play the best guy. Um, And if the player proves to be better, then play him. Um, You know, only speaking to what I mean, we're talking on a Seahawks pod and Mm -hmm. they signed Matt Flynn to a bunch of money. (laughs) And it was like, you know what? This third round pick is way better than him. We got to play him. And so if the Patrick Mahomes wasn't going to beat out Alex Smith because Alex was, you know, the veteran in offense, whatever but he was better. Sometimes coaches bypass the obvious um and sometimes coaches don't even play. Like we we saw the Ravens almost miss out on the you know the playoffs by waiting until week 8 or 9 to put Rus- uh Lamar Jackson in. Sometimes you just got to throw guys out there and let them s- sink or swim. This is where the scouting comes in to where you know who is capable of handling that type of downward pressure and they'll be better for it. If a guy is going to go into the tank, he was going to always go into the tank. You know, it, it wasn't because they played him early. Like I love how people say, Oh, they ruined Derek Carr, David Carr. They're like, nah, he, you know, nah, he he was always going to be afraid of pressure. Um, So at the end of the day, you want to play the guy that you drafted, you drafted him first for a reason, play him like Pittsburgh is going to find themselves in this funny situation because they bench, bitch, Bench, Mitch Trubisky.
0: That's hard to say.
1: You are correct, it, right? <laughs> right. <it is. laughs> and, only to start, Mitch Trubisky, the younger version. Like there's the right. same quarterback, but same. um, but if you're if you are like clearly, let's say you take, if you're Seattle, you take Anthony Richardson, who I think is going to be phenomenal, but you also realize Anthony Richardson is twenty years old, so. Oh. You don't want to throw a 20-year-old uh, in the NFL game with grown men and grown defensive coordinators who pick apart your every deficiency um, and figure out how to attack you. You probably are better off letting him wait a little bit, throw him in there a little bit, get in some some reps, kind of like how the Titans are doing with Malik Willis. You know, mm-hmm. We know physically he's better than Ryan Tannehill, but let's wait for the game to slow down for a little bit for him before we throw him in there. Let him get more acclimated to the NFL speed and how we do things and what we're asking Ryan to do that you now can do. I think that's, I think that's working for him. But Mm -hmm. when we were uh, watching last year in Chicago, it's like, why are we wasting time with Andy Dalton? Like just throw fields in there. Clearly you're not going to win with Dalton. So you might as well lose with someone that has upside in your rookie. So it all, it really does depend individually.
0: Yeah. Anthony Richardson, um, quarterback out of Florida. He's six foot four. Like it. Sorry. Sorry, <laughs> but it's true. I like it. Six foot four, 236 pounds. Yeah. Um, he has a, I, I see him on a lot of lists. So that is a name that I think everyone gets so hooked up on those other couple names, but that's, that's a good one too. I have no problem with quarterbacks sitting for a year. Um, if they have, if the team has a legitimate reason to sit them, whether they just need a little bit of time, or the team has a chance of actually being pretty good, and he can still learn, and you know that sort of thing. But the Fields example was perfect. That team was going nowhere; it was never going to go anywhere, and so why not let him just get on-field experience? I agree. Oh my gosh, I love it, Emery, I appreciate your time so much and your knowledge. You are just a joy to chat football with. I just love it. I know you can find you at it's at fballgameplan on Twitter, but let everyone else, let know everywhere else that they can find you.
1: They can find me on Instagram, football game plan, all one word. Um, YouTube.com slash football game plan. I plan on starting a podcast. You know, I don't know. I, I, it's sad. I still have all the equipment. I just haven't done it yet. It's Well, weird. you're kind
0: of busy. <laughs> I mean, right, you're kind well,
1: of busy everywhere. I was like what I'm going to do. You know, so but YouTube.com slash football game plan. You find all the videos. Uh, shout out to Seahawks fans, number one, because if it wasn't for you guys, blowing up my 2012 draft grade video where I said Russell Wilson will start from day one. He's already better than Matt Flynn. And when I gave the only A in that draft for that draft class, because everyone else was saying it was a F, F with Bobby Wagner and everything. So Seahawks blew it. That video gets a ton of views every year. So Seahawks have always rocked with, with me in football game plan. And you brought up draft guide. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, they could pre-order the 2023 draft guide at footballgameplan.com slash 2023 draft guide. And last year's version was the largest draft guide in draft guide history, over 1,000 individual scouting reports. And I'll be interested to hear your thoughts, Dana, on what was the best part of the draft, because I have, of, of the guy, because I have my idea why it works for people like you and people like me and people within the media landscape. What was your favorite part of the the guy.
0: You know, it was just, it was put together so well. You could look it up by player because, you know, it's in PDF form. So it comes to you and you can look up by player. You can look up by um, position. You can look it up by school. It it was, it was so easy for me, literally as the draft is going on, I could type in the player's name and find out you had everything listed, all their accolades, all of their achievements, everything that they had done your own personal thoughts on them, what you thought their strengths were, wasn't where you didn't think their strengths were. It was so complete, but the ease of use, I mean, there are some draft guides where you feel like, okay, you're flipping through pages, trying to find stuff. And it was just so easy to use, but I just loved your individual thoughts on each player because like I said, at the beginning, you look at players a little differently than a lot of analysts, especially college level analysts, where it's this stat, this stat, this stat. You look into intangibles and you look at things like that. And I just appreciate that because some draft guides, they are a bunch of numbers. And this had much more of a personal feel to it. I really liked it.
1: It's easy to read bullet points. So easy. You know, so just like pertinent information. I don't care about a kid's high school vertical jump or anything like that. Like, what can he do? (laughs) What can he do? And if you're a fan, you just want to know who the hell we just drafted? Oh, this is a, okay, perfect. And you move on.
0: I still use it. I I look people up when they're like, Oh, these are the rookies and how they're doing. I'm like, Oh, where was that kid from? And I go and I look at it. I love it.
1: And it's in full color. So
0: it is in full color. (laughs) Very good. Yes. So everyone check out Emory hunt, check out the draft guide. It was, it was great. Especially if you're interested in who Seattle might use those picks on next year. That's, that was really good. I'm going to have you back on closer to the draft next year we're going to chat about this and figure out how everything goes and how we think it's going to fall i think it's going to be a lot of fun so everyone go to emory hut again at f ball game plan on twitter thank you for your time sir
1: anytime dana i appreciate it go seahawks because the fans are great i appreciate that
0: i love it love it all right everyone i'll be back again next week i hope everyone has a great week and hopefully seattle gets a win bye-bye